The True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival will be held on August 25th through the 27th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. Join other ethical true crime podcasters, victim advocates, and paranormal creators for a weekend full of panels, roundtables, and live shows. Purchase your early bird tickets now at truecrimepodcastfestival.com slash tickets. Welcome to another episode of It's Haunted What Now. I'm your host, Lainey. The days might be longer now, but the nights are certainly darker. Summer nights hold a different kind of chill in the air, and I'm so glad that several of these stories are just the perfect sort to tell around a campfire. From strange encounters by the roadside, to cabins in the woods, to haunted cemetery grounds, we've pulled together some classic camp ghost stories for you that are guaranteed to send a chill down your spine in this really warm weather. So, without further ado, ready to get spooked? Our first story today comes from Here to Gossip, bringing us a tale from their childhood about the cemetery they live next to and the encounters they experience there. I grew up next door to a cemetery in a small town. It's old, but there are still people being buried there to this day. And there are definitely a lot of strange and unexplainable things that have happened to us in our house, which I believe is due to that cemetery being so close. My parents often worked until later in the evening, so my brother and I would be alone in the late afternoons after we got home from school. Every day, we'd get off the bus, wait until it left, and then just stand together at the end of the driveway. If it was quiet, we'd casually walk into our house and go about our routines, like normal. On other days, we'd hear voices in the backyard. It sounded like children laughing and playing together. The thing was, there were no other houses nearby that had kids living in them. Our house was surrounded by cornfields, and of course, that cemetery next door. Every time it happened, it would make me feel nervous and uneasy. My brother would act like it didn't bother him, but I knew he felt it too. After it had happened enough times, we stopped checking the yard for other children and just ran inside. There were never any kids in the yard, but almost every afternoon, it sounded like there were. As time went on, my brother began to develop night terrors. His screams would wake us up all in a panic, thinking someone was getting hurt or worse. I once asked him if he remembered what he dreamt about, and he told me that he'd scream just so that he could move. He'd be paralyzed, facing his closet, where right before his eyes, the clothes hanging there would turn into bodies hanging from nooses. They were always the same bodies, the same faces, just hanging there, looking at him. 
Another one of his terrors was a man who would appear at his bedroom door. The man would walk to the window across the room and just stand there before slowly vanishing into thin air. He'd reappear back at the door and start walking towards the window again, repeating the cycle over and over again until my brother could scream himself out of it. Years later, I remember coming home late one night. My parents were out and my brother was home alone with every light in the house on, music blasting and the TV on at top volume. I found him on the floor, trembling and sobbing. After I calmed him down, he told me that there was something in the basement. I went down to check and saw that he'd blocked the door with one of our dining room chairs. I moved it, opened the door, and looked down the stairs. And I saw it too. At the bottom of the stairs, there appeared to be a little girl. She was on her hands and knees with her long hair covering her face. She was staring down at the floor, facing the staircase leading up to us. I think I asked, who is that? Or something similar, as soon as she heard my voice, her head flipped upwards. It was such an inhuman movement that I didn't stay long enough to get a good look at her face. I grabbed my brother and told him to get in my car. We left and didn't come back until we knew our parents were home. It was the only time we saw her, but she stuck with me. I learned much later on that the cemetery is now having issues with new burials. The bodies have been shifting underground, and the maps the town has of where they're located are inaccurate. When they go to dig up a plot, sometimes there's already someone buried there. I looked it up once. Turns out my parents' house and our front driveway sits over where the map says the cemetery sits. Ew, so I can only imagine what it was like growing up next to a cemetery, or for one of those horrible encounters to happen in your house because of it. One of our editors on the show had a cemetery located on the grounds of her high school, and that could be creepy enough just during school hours. Having to follow you after school? Mm, no thanks. Especially alone with your sibling? Pass. That takes a certain kind of bravery, that's for sure, and thank you for sharing your story. Our next story is from Gap Suspicious 3704 who brings us a tale of a mysteriously playing music box. My boyfriend and I were in the kitchen of my parents' house making something to eat late at night, just before 3 a.m. We were just talking together when suddenly I heard a little song coming from somewhere upstairs, near the front of the house. At first, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was someone's phone, but the longer I listened, the more I realized that I recognized it. It was a melody coming from a jewelry box that I'd had in my room since I was a little kid. Confused, I texted my sister, who told me that she'd been in bed for a while and hadn't left. I thought maybe that one of my cats had been playing with the jewelry box and set it off, but that would have been difficult to do. The part to wind up the music box inside was difficult to manage, and it was up against a wall, motionless. I then texted my mom to see if she was the one who'd been playing it. I 
don't sleep in my bedroom anymore, and sometimes she'll go in there to sleep if my dad's snoring is particularly loud. She didn't respond, and so my boyfriend and I thought nothing else of it and went to bed. The next morning, my mom told me that, yes, she'd been sleeping in my room, but it hadn't been her that set off the music box. The melody had woken her up, too. She thought it was her phone ringing. I'm not sure if it was my mom trying to play a prank on us, but if it is, it's a pretty good one. I hope that's all it is. Fingers crossed that this is just a prank gone wrong. As I'm sure you can tell just from the music on this show, there's something innately creepy and unsettling about a music box playing. In fact, it's what I told Neeks about the vibe I wanted to give when you're listening to the show. Just like this creepy little music box that's like haunting your dreams in this episode, probably. Sorry about that. Anywho, like I said, there's something creepy about this, particularly when it's in another room, and even more particularly when no one wound it up to begin with. Our next story is from Sheepherder OK1449 who brings us a story of their chilling experience experimenting with automatic writing. This is a new one. It wasn't so much what was written. It was what happened afterwards that terrified me. I'm not one to be scared easily. I love experimenting with all sorts of strange and unusual things. Witchcraft, occult magic, spirit boards, tarot, numerology, and automatic writing. You name it and I've probably got experience in it. On this particular night, I sat at my desk with a piece of paper and what's called an automatic writer that I'd bought from a seller on eBay a while back. It's an antique made in the 1920s and supposedly belonged to a medium of the time. It looks like a huge planchette with small wheels at the end of each foot, and at the point, there's a metal holder for a pen or pencil to be placed as the third leg to steady it. An automatic writer works under the same principles as a Ouija board. You ask it a question, place your hand on the planchette, loaded with a pen or pencil over a blank piece of paper, and wait. Sometimes the planchette will begin to move, you won't see what has been written until it comes to a stop. There are no spaces between words and no capitalization or punctuation. But I've seen plenty of words that are easily decipherable and legible nevertheless. That night, I didn't have any questions that needed answering, so I simply asked it, What do I need to know? The planchette moved. It wrote, You, several times over and over again and so I figured that nothing needed to be known to me, and nothing needed answering. I folded up the paper and put everything away. I didn't give it a second thought, considering the session to have been a bust. I went to bed later that night as normal. I particularly remember that it was a peaceful sleep that I fell into, and one of those sleeps where it's so nice because you feel warm and comfortable and safe. It was a calm, peaceful reprieve. It didn't last. Two hours later, I jolted awake, terrified. There was no explanation for why I'd woken up that way. I don't remember having a nightmare. If anything, I remembered having a dreamless sleep. 
I was petrified and not from sleep paralysis, just from terror. The atmosphere in my room was so stifling that I just laid there, expecting something awful to happen to me. As I lay there, I heard something fall and slide across the carpet. It wasn't dramatic, and so I didn't understand why I was laying there, trembling with fear in my bed. It was like I sensed something without really knowing what that something was, like a rabbit sensing a predator. The feeling of dread intensified as the night progressed. I was sweating and trembling so hard my teeth were chattering. Somehow, at some point, I gathered up the courage to reach up and turn on the light. The sudden brightness hurt my eyes, but I looked around the room and I couldn't see anything. The fear slowly started to dissipate and my body started calming down, just enough to finally let me fall back asleep. For the next several weeks, I slept with the light on. I thought I was having some kind of psychosis. The fear lasted for weeks and I was afraid to sleep in my own bed. It felt as though I were five years old again, afraid of the dark. It took weeks for the feeling of being watched, of dread, to go away. I was able to sleep without a light on, and no longer feared being in my own bed. I thought about it and thought about it, but I've never been able to come to any conclusions. I've never even really considered that what happened might have had anything to do with an automatic writer that I'd been using that night. But, at the same time, maybe. First off, the automatic writer sounds really interesting. I'd like to hear more about the other words and phrases that you've had come through over time, if you'd be willing to send them in. I wonder what the writer was trying to tell you. Was it a warning? A red flag? A threat? It's just such a vague message, and maybe that's the point, but it's definitely a mystery. Keep us updated, and I won't be trying that anytime soon myself. Our next story comes from an anonymous friend who's really looking for some answers. I had these experiences as a teen, and I'm looking for answers. First, some context. We lived in a house where things were always just kind of weird. Every single one of my friends and family who was the slightest bit intuitive, mostly women, all independently reported that our house, particularly the part of the basement that was fully underground, felt wrong. The layout of the house is important, again, for context. The house had a main floor which stood over a large basement that partially opened out to the outside on two sides. My bedroom was in the basement facing outside with a window that faced the woods that made up the most of the property that our house sat on. On the ground floor, there was a deck that stretched over where the basement opened up into the backyard. So, for a visual description, if you stepped out of the basement, you exited into the backyard under the deck. The deck was accessible from the ground outside, and you could access it from inside the house via the living room and my parents' bedroom. And to put it lightly, a lot of weird things happen there. I can accept the ambiguity of silly little ghost stories of strange sounds and weird occurrences, but I've never heard anyone talk about what happened at the end of this experience. 
if it weren't for my dog being there, I think I was losing my mind. There were always these strange knocking sounds on the basement glass doors and windows. My friends often heard it too, and we often felt like we were being watched. It was deeply unsettling, and it felt like the further you went into the basement, the more evil it felt. And yes, I know how cliche it sounds to say evil. Maybe it was the primal discomfort of being underground, but something felt truly horrible about being back there. The knocking felt intelligent, calculated. There were no trees or bushes near enough the house to cause the sounds, and sometimes the knocking would move from window to window, or glass door to glass door. It mostly kept knocking on the downstairs area, but the upper deck area had its fair share of knocking too. It happened most often when my parents were away. They never heard the knocking. My friends all did though. We all heard it. All the time. Always a series of knocks. Three, four, five times. It was like it was mocking us. But fine, sure. Maybe it was a person out there, with bad intentions towards some teenage girls. A human stalker would make more sense to me. I didn't really believe in the paranormal, and I never believed in cryptids. I was home alone one night when things got particularly weird, and made me question those beliefs. I was in my downstairs bedroom. The knocking had been much worse that night for no reason that I could figure out. My dog, feeding off the strange vibes, was laying protectively on my legs, facing the doorway. He was uncomfortable enough that he'd go on a walk around the house now and again, patrolling for threats, and he'd bark and growl when the knocking would start up. Suddenly, I heard loud, heavy footsteps on the deck stairs. It was so distinct, it sounded specifically like a man wearing heavy cowboy boots, not an uncommon sound in my rural community. My dog launched himself off of me and ran upstairs. I could hear him in front of the glass doors of the deck, making furious sounds that I'd never heard him make. I thought it was a regular intruder, so I was glad that my big dog would likely scare him off. The thing was, I never heard those footsteps leave the deck. After my dog came back to me, calmed down a little but still on edge, I called my mom asking if I should call the police. If they were going to take an hour to arrive anyway, was there even a point? We ended up phoning a neighbor to come over, but he didn't find anyone and left. I decided to stay upstairs in my parents' bedroom, which had access to the deck through the frosted glass door. I was sitting on the bed, facing the door, scrolling on my phone. My dog had once again settled on my legs, protective and alert and extremely on edge. I was starting to calm down from the ordeal when he suddenly began to growl. It was a deep, primal growl like a threat that suddenly presented itself. I looked up, and what I saw there still terrifies me to this day. There was a face in the window, but it didn't have a face. It was pressed up against the glass, starkly pale but with no contours or facial features. There were no eyes, or nose, or mouth or anything that would identify it as a face, but it was a face all the same. It didn't turn away. It stared at me and moved slowly backwards. I couldn't explain why, but I got the feeling that it wanted me to see it. 
and it only left once it was certain that I'd seen it standing there. I can't explain it. It felt so different. The knocking before had felt masculine, tall, skinny, with heavy, masculine footsteps. This thing I was seeing felt feminine and more terrifying than anything else before. The knocking felt malicious and sly. If it weren't for my dog, I'd have thought I'd imagined the whole thing. When my parents came home, however, he was still agitated enough that they noticed. It had to be real, because of how he reacted. He's never acted that way before or since. I've never encountered anything like this, but I've tried to find out through local legends and folklore about what I'd seen. I keep coming across a Navajo legend of the thing that should not be named, but even that doesn't quite fit what happened to me. I'm at a loss, and so I'm hoping telling my story will get me some answers, somewhere. So, does anyone know anything about a faceless face in southwest Missouri? This is a terrifying tale, and I want to first thank you for sharing it. I'm intensely curious to hear if anyone listening has encountered anything similar in that area, and I think you're smart to look at folklore for answers. And it's a strange thing that there's nothing of a similar type that's come up. If anyone listening has any ideas, please reach out to us. This is extremely creepy, and outside of loving it and being terrified now, I want us all to know more so maybe we can protect ourselves. Our next story is from Ahmad Tibby. They bring us a tale of a creepy phone call that still has lingering effects to this day. Back in 2013, when I was 12 years old, I was home alone one day, sitting at my computer. I grew up watching horror movies, and I hated being home alone. And so, whenever I was, I'd open every door in the house to let the sunlight in, and feel less afraid. I'd been sitting there for a while, playing a game, when I got a sudden phone call from my mom, on the old corded phone that was still hooked up on the desk. I thought it was weird, since she never called me that early in the day. What happened then was something that I've never been able to understand. I answered the phone and heard my mom on the other end, whispering my name in a low, menacing voice. My heart was pounding. I was so confused, I said, Mom? a few times, over and over, but there was no reply. Eventually, I just ended the call and sat down, crying and frightened, trying to focus on playing my game until my mom came home from work. She immediately saw that I was anxious and asked if something had happened. I asked her why she would prank me by calling me and scaring me like that, and she looked at me confused. I never called you, she said. We checked her phone. There was no outgoing call from her phone to the house. To this day, she swears she never called me. She does, however, remember how terrified I was by that voice on the phone. I remember it too. Oh, gross. And how many times have we heard these on other podcasts who read similar stories that you get these creepy phone calls? No thanks. It's like, 
gross. I hate it. This is so creepy. This feels like one of those old urban legends of babysitters getting sinister calls to check on the children, except, you know, you were alone and terrified and 12 years old, which I hate for you. I think I would have unplugged the entire phone and called it a day or called the police. (laughs) Honestly, I would have been so scared I would have called the police. Our next story comes from Idiot116. Hey, we think you're pretty smart. With the tale of a cabin in the woods and a violent encounter that took place there late one night. I was in Vermont visiting some friends, staying in a cabin deep in the woods for the night. We were all relatively sober, and we'd had a great day full of laughter. But now it was midnight, and I was the only one left awake. I was downstairs in the living room, enjoying the cabin, simply being in the moment. The cabin had no blinds or curtains on any of the windows, and each of the many windows looked out into the pitch black of the night outside. Eventually, I went up to my room that I was sharing with my best friend. Before laying down, I stared out of one of the windows, thinking how odd it was that there were no blinds. I remember thinking that someone looking in from the outside could probably spot me from a mile away before laying down and immediately falling asleep. I woke up to my best friend standing over me, with his hands squeezed tightly around my neck. We were both screaming at the top of our lungs and wrestling for our lives in the darkness of the room. We fought for a good minute, all the while screaming and destroying the room. Glass was shattered and the furniture was moved roughly around the room. Eventually, my friend came to his senses and turned on the light while we both tried to make sense of the mess we'd made. My only recollection is waking up to my friend screaming and choking me by the neck. He seems to remember me standing over him and threatening him. He says he felt overcome with rage and felt that he needed to attack me immediately. We both went downstairs and tried to talk through it. We had a few main questions we couldn't answer. 1. We had both only been asleep for 10 minutes by the time we started fighting. REM sleep can't occur within 10 minutes, so it couldn't have been dream-induced. 2. Our other friends in the room next door heard nothing and didn't wake up to the crashing noise. After about half an hour of being downstairs, I felt the most horrifying dread I've ever experienced, thinking my death was certainly imminent. I went into a full panic attack and started screaming, insisting that everyone wake up so that we could leave the cabin immediately. We all packed up and left within the hour. The owners of the Airbnb checked the CO2 monitors, and they were all fine. They were never told the full story, but we agreed to pay damages for the room. It was the least we could do, but we will never be going back. Okay, this sounds really horrible, and Vermont was on my list to move to, but I probably won't. And my friend Corinne, who hosts the incredible show Two Girls, One Ghost, also is from Vermont, and she has a ton of haunted stories. Like, New England and the East Coast in general seem extremely haunted, and I don't know why I want to move over there. I love being scared, but not like that. I hope that both you and your friend ended up being okay after such an interaction. It's so strange that it happened so quickly and really without any warning. 
I wonder if the owners of the cabin have had any similar encounters in the past, or if there are any other complaints. The most important thing is that you got out of there and that you're safe. Our final story comes from Rose's World, where they had a strange sighting by the side of the road one day. In the summer of the year I turned 17, we were heading to my uncle's little house near the beach. To get there, we had to drive through a large stretch of forest that spans on for nearly an hour's worth of driving. The sun was just beginning to rise, setting a beautiful light over the forest, when things got weird. I remember that my dad turned off his music so that he could pull up his GPS for directions. I looked out the window at the forest, watching all the trees speed by when suddenly I noticed that we were the only car on the road. The only car. None ahead, none behind. Hell, I didn't even see another car for nearly an hour and a half. We were completely alone. I thought it was weird, especially since we were generally in a really populated area headed to the beach in the middle of summer. I kept looking out at the forest, at one point, a clearing opened up for a few seconds, and I saw two men standing there. They were wearing black suits and black sunglasses with black gloves and shoes. They were tying an enormous hairy creature to a tree. I stared at them, and they stared at me. At me, not the car. It felt as if they knew me. Like they knew I saw them. It terrified me, and I asked my dad if he'd seen them. He seemed confused and said he hadn't seen a thing. He was too busy driving and looking at his GPS. I don't really believe in strange encounters like this, but I can't explain what I saw. I don't know how to feel either. Just thinking about this thing makes me feel uneasy and scared. The creature that they were tying up wasn't thrashing around, and it felt like as soon as I saw them and they had passed by, we immediately joined up with other traffic. It was like we'd accidentally stumbled upon a crime scene. Can I just chalk this up to a hyperactive imagination on a long drive? Or is there something else going on here? So I think I've actually talked about this before, but I do think that when it comes to strange encounters that might be government related, there's very little that I think is out there that falls outside the scope of possibility. It seems like you noticed a lot of detail for just a glimpse, which to me adds some credence to what you saw. And I think we also notice this when we think about like the Jersey Devil, any type of UFO sightings or whatever the appropriate term is now, where there's this eerie calm that takes place and it's as if you were in this time warp on your own. And then you see this thing It's and then you move on. You know, you, you are back into like this plane of existence. I think it's interesting. It's also very terrifying, which is why when I was little, I was extremely terrified of the Bermuda Triangle, so much so that I was like, I'm never flying over any of the area that encompasses the Bermuda Triangle, and I still am a little paranoid to that day. It has nothing to do with this particular incident, I just thought I'd share. I wonder what the creature was. It sounded like Bigfoot to me, but you didn't describe the creature, so I don't know. But if anyone else spotted the same thing and just never said anything about it, please let us know. Let this show be the one that releases the mystery, you know? Clearly, we don't care about aliens, as we saw 
recently within um, some Senate hearings. So, you know, let's let all the cryptids out so we can figure out who they are, what they are, and what do they want. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me, hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter, for now, at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance by Jesse Hawk, writing assistance by Meg Williams. The official composer and audio smith for the show is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>